And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on our show or visit our website to view our entire podcast library of previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews. Do you have questions about the new developments and updates affecting taxes for churches and nonprofits? Today, our guest is Joe Rosny, a certified public accountant and partner at Michael Silver, an accounting firm who provides accounting and assurance, as well as tax consulting and compliance. Joe is over 25 years of federal, state, and local tax planning, consulting, and compliance experience, working with entrepreneurial businesses across a wide range of industries. He's also very active in his local community and involved in various not-for-profits. Joe, welcome to our show. It's good to be back, Whit. Joe, uh, one of the, the things about the new tax law, which is... Uh, causing a lot of debate and concern among non-for-profits is the new parking tax. Can you tell us what this parking tax is? Well, it's not actually a parking tax. It's uh, more of a tax on a fringe benefit that the employees were getting that in the taxable world is is become a non-deductible item because the individuals aren't paying tax on it. But what it is is the value of any free parking, any special parking that the church, the not-for-profit, is giving to its employees. But it's also a tax on any transit benefit or commuting benefit that the church might be offering, that the not-for-profit is offering to the employees. Well, what was the purpose of this of this tax? It seems like it targets not-for-profits. It doesn't so much target not-for-profits as it's trying to put the not-for-profits on the same footing as the for-profit. What had been a tax-free benefit to the employees that was deductible to the employer has now become a balancing act from Congress where because the employees don't have to pay tax on the benefit, the employer doesn't get the deduction. Since a not-for-profit gets no tax benefit from a deduction, that's not a big deal. So they turned it around and turned it into a taxable event, potentially taxable event for the not-for-profit. So what you're telling me is that if a church has a parking lot for uh, people to park in when they go to worship and the employees use this during the week, that there's some kind of tax consequence on this? There's, There's the often misconstrued part. Uh, or I should say, can't be often, it's brand new in 2018. But if there are specifically reserved places for employees, um, 
An example might be a reserved spot for just the pastor or just the choir director or something like that. Then that is a specified benefit. You have to take the cost of the operation of the whole parking lot and allocate based on spaces to those reserved spots. Likewise, if there's any sections of the parking lot that are specifically for employees. But if your parking lot is used more than 50% by the general public, your congregation, and no area is fenced off specifically for the employees, then there this isn't a, even a tax. It's nothing to be concerned about. Well, so everybody should take down the signs that say uh, reserve for pastor and reserve for business I, I, manager. I'm glad you said that. In the revenue procedure that just came out recently, they gave us an announcement that basically said uh, that a not-for-profit has until March of 2019 to take to retroactively, I like this part, retroactively take the signs down that say reserved for uh, in their employee section for their specific named spaces to take them down retroactive to January 1 of 2018 and then not have to deal with this tax. There's a lot more to talk about. Like, Oh, yes. For example, how do you even value a parking lot that is just there. The the good part there is they don't go to the value of the parking lot. They go to the expense of maintaining it. Leaf removal, snow removal, uh, repairs, maintenance, uh, clean, keeping it clean, but not the area around the parking lot. So it doesn't include the, the landscaping and fencing. Well, that in itself would be a nightmare to try to calculate for these poor not-for-profits. So uh, take the signs down, I guess. Take the signs down. It would be a good thing. Okay. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today we're speaking with Joe Rosney, a CPA and tax expert, about what you need to know about filing your taxes this year. Well, this, uh, this last question was primarily for the not-for-profit, but uh, what are some uh, noteworthy aspects of this uh new tax law and the new updates that go along with this that people might be interested in? Well, the biggest thing in there is that they have taken away many things, given us a few things. Uh, the things that will affect everybody is the personal exemption. In 2017, we're getting approximately $4,000 a head for everybody in your household, husband, wife, kids, um, and you get a deduction for those. That has all been taken away. Uh, and replaced by, in their mind, a $24,000 standard deduction increased from about twelve for married couples and 12000 for singles, married filing separately, up from, again, about $6,000 for them. That is supposed to make up for all these lost personal exemptions. They've also given us a credit for the kids' under 17 of approximately 2000 of $2000 a head for those that have social security numbers now that's not itins for those that have might be immigrants and have the temporary IDs for the international set um, and if they're over 17 or not a child but still a dependent you get a $500 credit okay well that, that seems kind of backwards to me because although all my kids are gone and educated it's when they're in college that they cost a lot more, which is, of course, after they're 17. But 
Well, who, which, who looks for logic from the tax law? Well, which is indeed. And the interesting thing about the standard deduction, they've raised that while they've limited us on so many of the components of the itemized deductions. Well, what are some of these limits? Uh, they've completely eliminated the miscellaneous itemized deductions, which some people are using as uh, unreimbursed employee expenses. Those are gone. Legal fees, those are gone. Uh, accounting fees, those are gone. Investment management fees, out the window. All of those things that are at the bottom end of your itemized deduction page, they're all gone. Your state and local income taxes, that's your Illinois income tax, whatever, all your state income tax. Well, in Illinois, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Your real estate tax, those collectively have been limited to $10,000, period. And many of us got a massive haircut with that, depending on where you live. Um, even those that were getting in, in lieu of the state income tax, they were getting a, a state sales tax because it was higher. They're on retirement, whatever. Uh, that is is included in that $10,000 limit. So having limited that to $10,000, having removed the miscellaneous itemized deductions, there's a lot of people this year that are going to put their itemized deductions together and realize that the $24,000 standard is actually higher. So they won't have to file a, a list of the deductions. They won't have to itemize those anymore. Right. Of course, you have to compute them anyway to figure out whether they're over or under. Absolutely, you have to do that. So it, it really didn't, for a lot of people, it really didn't save any time or effort. Well, for a lot of people, they're going to get their $10,000 for taxes. They're going to get their home mortgage interest expense and their charitable contributions. And that's if that doesn't reach $24,000 for a married couple then they will use the $24,000 standard. But there is no limit on charitable deductions. There's no limit on charitable deductions other than what has been in the law for a long time, the 50% of your adjusted gross income, uh, which most people never got anywhere close to. And I believe that even raised that to 60% this year. Uh, again, not many people give away more than half their income. All right. Uh, is there, does this change the incentives for, uh, giving to nonprofits? For those that were incented to give to nonprofits by the tax deduction, we'll probably see them go away. It's a guess on everybody's part. Nobody knows what they're really going to do, but for those that are truly charitable minded, that's still going to be happening. I'm sure. Um, there are ways that you can maximize the deductions that you get for charitable giving. Uh, one, one of my favorites is if you do have a stock portfolio of any substance and you've got appreciate long-term appreciated stock in that portfolio, uh, you can look at the stock and say, wow, that's a $10,000 stock. Today, I bought it for $1,000. There's $9,000 taxable gain in there. You can give that stock to your church, to your charity, and get a $10,000 deduction and never pay tax on the $9,000. Even if you don't reach the standard deduction, you've at least passed, the, passed off on getting taxed on the $9,000. Coming up, we'll talk further with Joe Rosny, certified public accountant at the accounting firm, Michael Silver, about how you can be aware of any updates and changes in the current tax laws. I'm Whit Brisky, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus.
Malkin Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Balkan Baker, and we're talking with Joe Rosny, CPA, at the accounting firm of Michael Silver about what nonprofits and churches need to know about their taxes this year. And Joe, before the break, we were talking about using uh, gifts of appreciated stock to at least mitigate the effects of the uh, limitations on uh, uh, on deductions. And uh, there's also other ways of uh, mitigating that, right? Absolutely. If you're over age 70 and a half and you are now required to take your minimum required distributions, you can, if you want, uh, redirect those uh, directly to the charities that you want to give to and up to $100,000 each year. So instead of taking the IRA check to yourself, you send the IRA check to the church from, directly from your IRA, and you get the deduction by not counting the income in the first place. Okay. And uh, now this is not necessarily a new development, but it's good to remind people about what documentation you need uh, to support a charitable deduction. Oh, that's a great question, Whit. What we've got is a minefield of if you don't have the right documents, you don't get the deductions if you're audited. So you want to be careful that if your donation to a charity is more than $250 for the year, not each donation, but for the year, you want to make sure you get a letter from your charity that says, thank you very much for your $6,000 donation. We gave you nothing in return. Or if you've been to the local charity auction, dinner dance, what have you, your letter is going to say, well, thank you for coming to our dinner dance, uh, $200 a ticket. The value of the meal you received is $50 a ticket. Or uh, thank you for participating in our auction and, the, and donating $10,000 to the cause. In, in exchange, you got a painting valued at $8,000. So your deduction is $2,000. Those are very important documents to have in your file. Often another misconception is raffle tickets not a charitable donation. It, it, it might say donation on the ticket, but it might make you feel better to, when you pay it. But the raffle ticket payment is not a donation. No, it's, it's a gambling loss. It's a gambling loss. <laughs> which, which is usually not deductible. Unless you win, and that's a different story. Yeah. But yes, it's still a gambling loss. Okay. Uh, and uh, how... And what if you give property? I mean... You know, uh, the closet you know, cleaning deduction, as I like to call it. Right. Uh, when you're emptying the closet and cleaning up, uh, doing that deep clean and giving a whole lot of things off to the church rummage sale or to Goodwill or your preferred thrift store, uh, you want to be sure to make a detailed list of what you gave and put a thrift store value on each item. I know that a common issue that I see with my clients is they'll look at a 55-gallon garbage bag and say $200. <laughs> and if they really took a look at it, uh, there's a lot of ways you can get to that place. But if you look at what they sell your uh, tr 
the dress shirt that you don't want anymore at the thrift store, that's three, four, five dollars. Uh, pants, same thing. Um, suit jacket, that's yeah, not going to be the same thousand dollars you paid for the jacket, but they'll probably sell it for 30 or 40 dollars. So you want to make sure that you get an itemized list. It doesn't take that long to do uh, and put a value next to each one. And when you total it up, you'll be amazed at the numbers that you come up with. Okay, well, uh, I'll do that because I got a lot of closets that need to get to get cleaned out. Turning to another subject, the uh, Supreme Court decided uh, the case of South Dakota versus Wayfair uh, last term, and uh, that has to do with sales tax being collected uh, outside the borders of a given state. How will that affect uh, uh, individuals and not for profits? Well, a lot of people that are used to buying everything on the internet and not paying sales tax, they're about to find a rude awakening. Uh, on the consumer side, you're going to find that a lot more of your internet vendors are going to be charging you Illinois sales tax if you're from Illinois, Indiana sales tax if you're from Indiana. It all depends on the shipping state as to which tax would apply. What's happened on the business side of that is the state of South Dakota set a limit that if your sales to South Dakota addresses exceeds $100,000 or 200 transactions, then you have to start that day collecting South Dakota sales tax on future sales. What that means to the rest of the country is that all these other states have passed laws either in anticipation of the findings that South Dakota would win or after South Dakota's victory, they've passed the appropriate laws in their respective states so that California will charge you, will, will force you to start charging tax if you reach the $100,000 and 200 transactions in that they found in South Dakota, California's law has matched it. There's many states that have already gone to either match South Dakota or add their own limits. There's a few states that put in 200,000 or 300,000 as their limit. But if you reach those limits in the past, then in the future, those vendors are gonna have to start charging tax for those states. Illinois set their threshold at $100,000, just like South Dakota. So if you're ordering from someplace else, that has that kind of volume in Illinois, you're going to see the sales tax show up on your invoice. Okay. And for uh, not-for-profits, they'll need to supply their Illinois tax number to these additional states and the vendors in Absolutely. those states. If you're a not-for-profit and you actually have the what we call the e-letter, a letter from the Illinois Department of Revenue saying that your purchases are exempt from sales tax, you're going to be providing that letter to many more vendors than you used to. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and we're speaking with Joe Rosny about tax updates and what you need to know. Uh, and uh, the last big area that I want to talk about is the, uh, the clergy housing allowance. And uh, first of all, what can you tell me about that and why uh, does, is this a benefit for churches? The uh, It's been in the law for a long time, and it's generally referred to as the parsonage allowance, where a church that requires or desires, depending on your perspective, uh, that the clergy live on or near the, the place of worship. And so there are tax exemptions in place for the clergy that allow them not to be taxed on their parsonage allowance, uh, 
And of course, there's no effect on the church because the church is not for profit in the first place. The bright side of that parking issue earlier is if there's a residential related parking allowed to that clergy that has the home, uh, that parking is actually out of that equation that we discussed earlier. Okay. And is there some, I mean, this has been in the law a long time. Is there some doubt that it may be in the law in the future? It hasn't been attacked in recent months. That's all I can say. Oh, well, there's actually a Seventh Circuit uh, appeal going on uh, right now in terms of that parsonage allowance. So we have to keep an eye on that. I will keep an eye on that yeah, one. Yeah. And what about the, the new 1040 form? Uh, is that different from the old 1040 form? The new form? 1040 form looks nothing like the old one. Uh, what they have done is they've reduced two full pages of the 1040 into one full page, but with seven, six or seven new schedules. So what used to be a few lines uh, on the front page of your 1040 is now one line that says see schedule one, see schedule two or three. Or I forget how they're naming their schedules this time. Uh, it looks nothing like the other one. The forms are not comparable to each other. So everybody has to, especially you guys who do a lot of this tax preparation work, you have to learn a new form. That is absolutely true. We have to learn how to uh, show people how the new form works is basically the way it is. Uh, I'm sure that our input areas are going to look the same since most of us do computer input to get the tax output. But the, but the form isn't asking for less information, right? Oh, it is not looking for anything less. The, this, con this myth of the postcard tax return is, is not going to happen. Not with these forms anyway. Okay. And uh, I, we have just uh, a few, about 45 seconds uh, left. And uh, what, uh, what changes was, was, were made in the estate and gift tax uh, in uh, the last tax act, if any? Uh, we still have the $11.5 million exemption for each person, lifetime exemption that includes all of your lifetime taxable gifts. Uh, it'll take a long time to use up that $11.5 million. Uh, and also, it's been there for a while since before the $11.5 million, the portability election where the surviving spouse can elect on the decedent's tax return to carry over the unused part of the exemption. All right. Joe, we appreciate your speaking with us today. How can we learn more about uh, what we've discussed today or uh, about your firm and, uh, and your work and uh, tax preparation and other accounting functions? Uh, well, you can call me, Joe Rosnay, at Michael Silver. My phone number, direct line, 847-213-2105 or my email, J Rosnai at michaelsilver.com. That's R O Z N A I. Either one works. I will happily answer your questions. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312 726 1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M A U C K B A K E R.com. Malcolm Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. If you missed part of this show and want to listen online, 
go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 